All right, our text is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 16. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 16. As I bring you a message that I've titled, Focused on the Finish. Focused on the finish. Don't miss that uh, idea there because that's kind of the idea throughout this message is being focused on the finish. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we read this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray as we look into your word this morning that you would make it clear and understandable to everyone. And again, I would ask that if there is one who is not sure if they died today that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the day they come to him. May the people of God have our focus on eternity. Have our focus on the, how we're going to finish. And may we hear what God has to say to us today. Lord, I pray that you'd be the power in my voice that holds the attention. But more than that, thy Holy Ghost would be the, also the power that takes that message home and gives understanding to every heart. And we would ask this in the name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our text speaks of faith and a goal. Abraham left his father's land and an inheritance, because in that day they inherited land. And he went to sojourn in a land he had never visited. There was no internet for him to get on to say, okay, now I want to see about this place. I want to check it out. He couldn't do that. We're told that he, he just left. He, he did uh, he went to the place where God told him to go, not knowing whether he went. He didn't know anything about it. 
He didn't know anything about the place. All he knew is God said to go. That was all he needed. Now think about that. When God tells us something, that's all we need. That's all we need. doesn't matter how many people say, man, that's dumb. That's dumb. I can remember going to, getting ready to go away to college with a wife and two children and someone telling me, you're a fool. And once you get out of money and out of everything else, don't come crying to me. And I didn't. Uh, but uh, God provided. God provided. He provided the whole way. And God provides. Instead of living in a house, though, they, they would not have that. They'd be living in tents. Friends, family, they were leaving that all. The finer things of life were at his disposal. You'll remember that when he sent back his elder servant to search for a bride for Isaac, he wanted it from his father's house, from his family. He sent him back, and listen, they were able to take care of not only the elder servant, but all of his uh, animals that he brought with him, the servants he brought with him. I mean, they were able to take care of all of that. He left a well-to-do place with a good inheritance. Now his brother has that inheritance. And he's in this other land. So he leaves friends, family, the finer things of life, all that is his disposal. He leaves it all. And by the way, let me point this out. His wife, Sarah, leaves it as well. Now you think about that. She is going to go with him. But she's going with him, and there's no promise except to trust God. And so they're going to live in tents the rest of their lives. Yet Abraham will become one of the richest men of his day. But that's not the reason he left. He felt compelled with eternity instead of looking for earth's gold and earth's riches and earth's cities. And, and he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Now, what do we take from a man like that? Because this is a man that the Bible tells us that God names him as the friend of God. Think of that. He is called the friend of God. What kept his focus on the goal of the city whose builder and maker is God? That that city is not really on this earth. It's not located on this earth. It's not built on this earth. But he knew that they were pilgrims on the earth, our text says. It wasn't a city physically that, that, that existed right here on the face of this earth. But he went out seeking that city. He had eternity set in his heart. You see, he had eternity set in his heart. Verse 13, he saw the promises afar off. He knows that God's promises are sure. Get that in your mind. God's promises are sure. As a matter of fact, Abraham knew that he would die physically before he ever entered the promise. It was 
clear that in his lifetime, that city would not exist. But again, God's promises are sure. Isn't it interesting that when we read about the rich man and Lazarus, where is Lazarus resting? In Abraham's bosom. Okay. And, and that was paradise. That was paradise. So Abraham must have a sustaining and guiding belief that there is an eternity as God promised. And that he is going to live there forever. He took God at his word. And he based his life upon that word. He not only was persuaded, he embraced it in such a way that he would never let it go. No matter what the circumstances, whether it was going into Egypt or going into other places, whether it was his nephew that was with him, uh, Lot, uh, going crazy. And they had to separate their herds. No matter what happened, he embraced the promise. That's why in Genesis 18 and 19, he recognizes that these are angels. These aren't just people passing through. He never lost sight of the Lord. Uh, did he have failures along? Oh, yes, he had failures. He had failures. But he never released the promise. He embraced it. And he knew it was right. He reminds me of another man that lived in that pre-law era. A man who also had embraced the promises of God. The man by the name of uh, Job. Job uh, lived 3,500 years ago. And we read of the things that Job went through of his Entire uh, family, all of his children and so forth being killed instantly. All of his stuff stolen, everything, and then his body covered with boils from head to toe. I mean, everything. And then friends, so-called friends, come, and that adds insult to injury. And it's just worse, but notice what he says in Genesis, uh, excuse me, in Job 19, verses 25 through 27. For I know. I like that. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, he knew he would die. He didn't know if he was going to die then or later, but he knew he would die. He said, after the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. And whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. You see, he knew God's promise was sure. He believed them. He believed God, and he embraced the promises of God. He was persuaded, and he embraced them. And he knew that even... After his body is no more and it dissolves dust to dust, when there would be no body left, he knew that God would resurrect him and he would see him for himself on the earth on that day. Now, when I think of that, 
to endure as Job did. And Jesus recognized in his ministry the, the patience of Job. How could he have that kind of patience? Even his wife was saying, why don't you curse God and die? So different than the Sarah. But you see, they trusted God all the way. Perhaps you feel called to full-time ministry. Maybe you don't. Whatever you are, you're a full-time Christian. We're not told that Abraham was a prophet that went around preaching everywhere, an evangelist. We're not told that he was a pastor, although he might say that he was the pastor of his own home. No. But he was the man that God would bless. He was a light for God in a sinful world as you and I are to be. And although you are called of God to be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find out that the world will oppose you. You might find out that just like Job, that even uh, your best friends will seem to oppose you. They'll discourage you. And they'll speak lies and make false accusations against you. Keep your focus on eternity. Keep your focus on the goal. Keep a focus on being a friend of God. Are we persuaded of God's promises? If we are, then we'll live according to the word of God. We'll live in obedience to it. Well, you don't understand the culture we live in today. No, the culture doesn't understand the word of God today. You see, we're not going to be judged by the culture. We're going to be judged by the word of God. Jesus says that in John chapter 12, verse 48. So stay focused on Christ all your life. If being hurt by church people or churches or whatever causes you to lose your faith, your faith obviously was placed in people, not in God. Now, our text shows Abraham did not focus on building up for retirement. Rather, he focused on building up for eternity. He was laying up for where rust and moth do not corrupt. Have you ever thought of our forefathers? I think they may be a good example of this. They left the land of their ancestors. How many hundreds, maybe thousands, years? that they left, for example, from the United Kingdom area to come over here in boats. And, and, and as they left, and, and, and they would come here, they came to a land and they dwelt in some very cold winters. Loved ones were dying. And there was always the threat of attack by Indians. The accommodations... Clothing, luxuries, pleasures were next to non-existent compared to what they had left. It was clear that they wouldn't see some progress in their lifetimes, but that which they desired uh, to come in the new land, that they would not see it. But they set it up so that it could come. 
They would have, they provided the steps for liberty and the pursuit of God without being impeded in any way by government or religion or anybody else. They could pursue God freely and His Word proclaim it. Now I know that today we have people that say things against God, against the Bible, against morality, against uh, marriage, the way God ordained it. I mean, there's so many things that today's society in America is saying. And perhaps the next thing is to make us a terrorist group because of what we preach and teach and believe. But right now we still have that. Around the world, that's not true. Around the world, people are being persecuted for the faith of Christ. And to be to stand, they have to have a faith that is not shaken by events around them. Their faith has to be solely in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to have. Why didn't they go back when things were so bad in those early days? Why didn't our forefathers just go back? Well, they had a vision of a free land. And it allowed them to establish a nation that would worship God and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and raise their children and discipline them without worrying about their children being made wards of the state. They had hope. They had hope. There are some men, some ladies that have just taken their kids. We'll read the horror stories of how they punched them so hard and beat them so hard that it killed them. Some of them are chained up. And so they think that rules have to be made for everybody so that your children can become wards of the state. Now, I'm not talking about Americanism versus communism right now. I'm talking about Bible versus, versus evil. Okay? And, and yes, some of those bad things happen. But we can use statistics so many ways. Somebody said 42.7% of all statistics are made up. <clears throat> I just made that one up. So, uh, but boy, as soon as somebody says something like that, everybody believes it. They jump on. Oh, that's it. No. No. God's word is always right. Man is always wrong when there's a difference. And we had forefathers because these were principles. They were principles. They believed in those principles. They lived by those principles. And they served in this country. And they they lived in this country and set the groundwork for this country. Believing in those principles because they were godly, biblical principles. And doing that, to them it was worth the cost. And their blood became the currency of our freedom. And that's why you and I worship freely today. They saw their hope, but it was a far off. Well, I use that illustration. That was, that was Abraham. 
He knew, he knew beyond any shadow of the doubt, he knew that there was a city whose builder and maker is God, but it was not in this life. But what God was making is better than anything on this world. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. Isn't that great for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Embrace that. Be persuaded of it. Embrace it. You know, as he was saying that, and those apostles were around him. Do you realize that most of those apostles would die a martyr's death? But they embraced the promises. I had... You know what? I kind of like the idea that the people that put him to death, I'd like to see where they are the last 2,000 years and where those apostles are the last 2,000 years. And so as we look at this thing, they believed that there was a, the God, he believed that uh, there was a city whose builder and maker was God. And so in faith, Abraham acted. That is why we read in Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, He says, being that Abraham, and this is God speaking, by the way, being that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him. Now, when he said, I know him, it's not, I just know, oh yeah, that's that's Dave Smith. You know, I can't see him any further than that. Now, he says, I know him. But he's not talking about, I know him by sight. I know him as a person, and I know this is what he'll do. God knows each of us that same way. Do you realize that? He he knows each of us that same way. You can deceive me, and I can deceive you, but we can never deceive God. He says, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, Abraham believed God. He believed God. Faith gave him the power to make a life decision. And that's your first step as a Christian. I've got to trust God. As a matter of fact, becoming a Christian. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you've got to realize, I can't save myself. I need a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that Savior. So he embraced the promises of God. Now when I say he embraced the promises of God, I'm saying this. God gave him a will for his life. You see, I just quoted, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so often, where I just stopped is where we stopped. But the next verse is just important. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He didn't say for specific ones are his workmanship. We, the saved, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that ye should walk in it. Now, if God has already has works ordained for your life, have you sought to find out what that is God wants you to do, and are you doing it? See, that's what it comes down to. Am I doing what God has ordained for me to do? And when Abraham knew that God said, go, sojourn in this land over here. Leave all that you have. Leave that nice house, that nice inheritance, and you go over there. I'll take care of you. Don't worry. Just go. He did. He would never turn back. He embraced God's will as one embraces a young lady, a young man, to say, I want you to be my wife, and he marries her. And when that preacher says, as, both, as, you both, uh, as long as you both shall live, he says, I do, she says, I do. And they embrace that promise. It's a promise from which they are not to turn back from. They're going to believe that promise with a never turn back attitude. When by faith you embrace the promises of God, then you must trust him. To give power for the trek of this life onto eternity. Because we are going to have to make that trek. There is a city whose builder and maker is God. But our reward is going to come down to either well done good and faithful servant or saved so as by fire. It's going to come down to confidence or shamed at his appearing for a Christian. But the question is, am I seeking the will of God for my life? Abraham provided for his posterity in the things that really matter. Oh, yes, there were sheep and there were all these other things. But what he really left to them was a spiritual heritage. You see, you can leave, if you had a million dollars, and you left a million dollars to one of your children, you could leave them a million dollars, and they could waste that thing within a year. But a spiritual heritage is there forever. It does not depart. They may depart from Christ, but it won't depart from them. It'll always be there as a prick on their heart. So let me ask you a question if you're saved here today. Because I want you to understand. In our Christian life, if you aim at nothing, you're bound to hit it. You're bound to hit it. So what are you aiming at that has eternal value? Romans 14, 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. Now understand, Abraham had eternity set in his heart. He had to live by and go at God's direction. Even in the matter where he transgressed, 
And that's another story with Sarah. And, and had this baby by the Egyptian maid. God says, no, that's not the promise. It's your wife. Lord, my wife is 90. Your wife is going to have a child. Now, he obeyed. Eternity was set in his heart. He walked with God and found out his will for his life. See, too often we just say, well, if God really wants me to do something, he'll just tell me. And we're not seeking God's will. If we're not going to seek it, it's obviously not precious to us. Seek the will of God because it is precious. It's that will that lays up for eternity. He saw the promises afar off. He knew that there was a city whose builder and maker was God. He saw those promises afar off. And he lived accordingly. He lived for that city whose builder maker is God because that city is the opposite of hell. It's the opposite of hell. A city whose builder and maker is God. So let me say this first. If you're a Christian here today, You're saved. You know you're saved. You know you're on your way to heaven. But do you know if you're fulfilling the will of God, the specific things that God wanted in your life? I'm not saying, are you a full-time Christian school teacher or you're full-time this? And No. I'm asking, are you a full-time Christian? See, we need, we need construction workers. We need uh, people that work in factories. We need people that work in stores. We need people that work in all these different areas. Why? Because... God wants a light in those areas. It's just important if, if you're working in a grocery store somewhere, and that's not a, the lowest job on the totem pole by a long shot, but if you are working in a grocery store, God has you there to be a light. And it's as important that you be that light there as it is important for me to be a light in this place where I'm standing. Wherever you are, you're to be a light for the Lord. That is important. He has a specific will for your life. I've watched uh, uh, preachers get up and say, well, you know, I've got uh, uh, two sons and three daughters or whatever, and, and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this for the Lord and all that. Oh, praise God. And, and I say praise God for that too. If they're in full-time service, I think that's great. But that doesn't mean that the other preacher whose kids uh, are members of the church, just serving in the church, are, well, they're big failures. Those same, same kids may be the ones making the money that pretty well help take care of the church, okay, and support the church. But what I'm saying is this. The important thing is, is that you are doing what God has pointed out for you to do, and you have sought it with your heart. And if you've sought it with your heart and you know it, have you embraced it so that nothing takes you away? Not family, not friends, not anything. Have you embraced those promises, knowing that the eternal reward will make it worth it all? But let me secondly say this. If you're not sure if you die today that heaven is your home, 
here's something you need to embrace. Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. That's why he's called Emmanuel, God with us. He came in the flesh to die for our sins. Why? Because all men are born with an inherited nature that is a sinful nature. Jesus was virgin born because he was placed inside of Mary and, and that seed was placed inside of her by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God and God uh, formed that body over the next nine months and that baby that was born was the Son of God. He lived a perfect life, never sinned one time, but fully tried. Fully tempted, more than perhaps you or I have ever been tempted. Fully tempted. So that when he went to the cross, he was dying for every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit. But he just didn't die for those sins. When he was there, it wasn't just that what men were doing to him. The Father poured out his almighty wrath on his human spirit. Suffering that man does not know of himself. And that was poured out on him for you. And he was buried and he rose from the dead. And you might be here today saying, you know, I do, I, I, I know I need to be saved. I know I need Christ as my Savior. But boy, what are my, what are my friends going to think? What is so-and-so? See, some people, they have nothing but evil friends. People of the world, and they're saying, you know, they won't like me anymore. They may not. There are others that are in church, been in church all your life. Everybody thinks you're saved, and you really aren't, and you know it. You're afraid what people will think. Can you imagine standing before the white throne judgment before people are cast into hell? Saying, well, I was afraid of what people would think. What does God think? He sent his only begotten son to die for you. You better embrace that. Embrace it and base your life on that and receive him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, him that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. That is God's promise and God doesn't lie. If you'll come to him today, he will save you. Won't you come to him? Let's bow our heads, please.